0: What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. This is Faraz Siddiqui coming at you from Upper Hand Fantasy. Uh, thank you for joining me today. We're going to go over the week six matchup preview. We're going to go over the first seven games and seven games this time because there are four uh, teams on by. Uh, so we're down two matchups. It was nice. It was nice having all these games. Now we're not going to have as many games. Um, but yeah, these bye weeks are starting. Now, you know, our benches. You know, are going to be starting to clear out. You know, with those handcuffs and with those high upside stashes, and we're going to have to start filling up our benches with with a little bit of depth uh, to take care of these um you know these bye weeks that we that we have now. So let's get right into it. Let's talk about Thursday night's game, uh, the Bucks at the Eagles. The Eagles, uh, I'm sorry, the Bucks are favored by seven points. It's a 52 over, over under. Um, Tom Brady, you know, obviously he's in, coming off an amazing game. He's had one bad game this year. Otherwise, he's been an elite fantasy quarterback. Moving on to this backfield, Giovanni Bernard's return was obviously going to limit Fournette a bit, but he was still the lead back last week, and he still, uh, you know, he ran a ton of routes. So not as much as he did with Gio Bernard out in week four, but his routes were still above 60% of Brady's dropbacks. So that's a significant number right there. He also stayed on the field um, during all the two-minute snaps, Um, which was interesting, right? Nice addition to his value if he keeps that role because that was what Gio was doing before he got hurt. Uh, This is a good matchup, again, so I'm willing to start Fournette as a low-end running back, too, to keep expectations in check. We know that there's upside, but Jones, you know, Ronald Jones getting a random uptick in work, Gio Bernard getting the two-minute offense back. You know, those are risks that, you know, will continue to weigh on Fournette, you know, until we get a larger sample size. So the Eagles are allowing the fourth most rushing yards to running backs this year. So, you know, it it could be a a risk worth taking. Now, Philly has defended perimeter wide receivers pretty well so far. Tyreek Hill uh, went off, but he did so against, like, basically all all of the DBs outside of Darius Slay in his three-touchdown game. Um, Antonio Brown will see at least 50% of his routes against Darius Slay this week, so he has the toughest matchup. the three tampa wide receivers um by the way he also had the toughest matchup last week against Xavier howard but that didn't seem to affect ab because he went off uh in a shadow situation but he's still a low-end wide receiver too um you can still start him chris godwin and mike evans are both solid wide receiver twos as well um evans you know is the primary receiver on this offense right now he's being targeted at a much more consistent rate than he was last year He's going up against Steven Nelson. I'm not worried about the matchup. Yes, the Cowboys' wide receivers didn't do much against this defense, but one of the reasons is that they had so much success with the run game. You know, and Dak Prescott was comfortable looking at his tight ends, for example, you know, that he didn't force it to his wide receivers or didn't feel the need to. Um, But Brady, like, he passes to his wide receivers on this offense. So all these guys have the potential to do well in this game, despite what might seem like a tough matchup on paper. Uh, and ground is out, by the way, so and if you're looking at these tight ends, OJ Howard, Cameron Braid, they split work last week, so I wouldn't be looking at either uh, as, a, as a starting option. Now, another side of the ball, Jalen Hurts hasn't finished outside the QB1 ranks this year, despite some terrible games, right? So that tells you what his floor is, and that tells you what his ceiling is, you know, is the fact that he's a QB7 on the year, and he was a QB3 coming into last week. The Bucks secondary hasn't been good, and they've allowed the third most passing yards through five games. So he's in your lineup. Devontae, Devontae Smith, he runs 90% of his routes from the perimeter, and the Bucks have allowed the most fantasy points to perimeter wide receivers. So he should be ranked as a top 30 option this week, even a borderline wide receiver, too, to be honest. Um, he's averaging about 100 yards over the last two games. No Dallas Goddard in this game. He's on the COVID list. Zach Ertz is a tight end one play because of that. So, you know, Ertz was already getting targets, and he should do well in a good matchup. Hopefully. He's disappointed in the past, but I'm playing Ertz as a tight end one this week. The Bucks have allowed the six most fantasy points to the tight end position. So, you know, he's a solid play on Thursday night. Miles Sanders is a tough play tonight. You know, the Bucks are one of the toughest rush defenses, and Sanders hasn't been getting volume, right? You add those two things together, and you're like, all right, well, how is this going to work out, right? The Eagles are, you know, they're just a pass-heavy team, regardless of situation. Um, they don't run the ball a lot, you know, with their running backs. One positive from last week was that Sanders was a lot more involved in passing situations, um, in situations that Kenny Gainwell was handling prior to last week. So hopefully that sticks. But Sanders, you know, this week, he's no more than an upside flex option to me. And that upside comes from his big playability. So moving on to the Dolphins at the Jaguars. The Dolphins are favored by three and a half points, 45 and a half over under. Now, Miles Gaskin blew up last week out of nowhere, 10 catches, 10 targets. He was unstartable coming into the game after Malcolm Brown took over the backfield in week four. And he was unstartable because also because of the matchup against the Bucks. And with Devontae Parker out, Gaskin was basically the Dolphins' number one wide receiver. So, can you trust him this week? I'm not trusting him. Can he be involved in the receiving game if Devontae Parker is out this week? Maybe. Yeah. But this backfield shakes things up after every week. So, I can't, you know, I just can't trust it until I see a trend. Um, Can we get two weeks of him being the guy? You know, that's all I'm asking for, right? He's a boom bust flex right now. You know, this week, regardless of the matchup, but you know, listen, like if I have him anywhere, I I don't have him anywhere because I haven't been drafting him. But if I did, I'd be looking to sell right now before Sunday. Uh, If Parker plays, I'd play him, uh, but my confidence in him will depend on his practice status this week. If he gets in some sort of full practice, I'd play him as an upside flex. The Jaguars haven't given up a ton of touchdowns to wide receivers, but they have given up some big yardage games. Uh, Brandon Cooks, Cortland Sutton, A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd. They did limit A.J. Brown last week, but Parker, you know, but they hardly passed the ball, right, last week, um, the Titans. But the par- but Parker would be a solid flex play. Um, he has some upside because of the matchup. Um he's not hired because he hasn't received consistent target share it, it's bounced around between him and waddle and the passing offense you know hasn't shown too much consistency either uh even though they do like to pass the ball now waddle's target share over the last two games has been pretty disappointing 13 percent and 16 percent the last two weeks even though you know he could have got a got an uptick in opportunity it just didn't happen but he you know he's an upside flex play this week as well uh, because of the fact that the Jaguars have allowed the fourth most fantasy points to slot wide receivers over the last four weeks, Mike Gesicki he's gotten six plus targets in each of the last four games, nineteen uh, percent target share on the year, uh, which is solid. You know, but what's notable uh, is that he's running more routes per drop back this week, this past week than the week before, and he already had an increase from week three to week four as well. So he's getting more involved, and his stock his um his stock is going up as the weeks move on. Uh, he's, he, I would say he's a low end tight end one right now. Now, on the other side of the ball, James Robinson has been resurrected, right, over the last two weeks. It started with him, you know, getting almost 100% of snaps with Carlos Hyde being a su- surprise scratch on Thursday Night Football two weeks ago because of that shoulder injury. Um, and then him getting touches at a higher frequency this past week, right? So even with his snaps going down with Hyde back this past week and the second half usage wasn't as good, but if this continues, he'll be a high end RB one, RB two. Uh, his routes stayed up there as well, so this is, um, you know, it could work out for him if this usage continues. Uh, this is a good matchup this week. He'll most likely be in my lineups. The Dolphins are allowing the fifth most rushing yards and the ninth most receiving yards to running backs this year. So, solid solid play. Marvin Jones, you know, definitely disappointed over the last two weeks. I, I can't see a world where, you know, where he just continually continually doesn't get targeted, right? Like, Especially without DJ Chark, like there's going to be a solid game on the horizon. But I can understand, you know, getting impatient with him right now. He's still a wide receiver three for me, but the inconsistent inconsistency is going to be a factor uh, in my start set decisions that do involve him. Now, Miami's defense hasn't been great this year. Tom Brady did tear them up, obviously, through the air uh, last week. It, it, it is possible that Xavier Howard shadows Marvin Jones, but it, even if he doesn't. Um, You know, Jones will go up against Howard on most of his routes on that right side. Um, Howard got lit up last week by A.B., but that's A.B., right? It could be a tough individual matchup, but overall, wide receivers have succeeded against this Miami defense uh, for fantasy. Now, LaVisca Chenault... Only one catch last week, very disappointing, Uh, but he is playing more on the outside now after DJ Shark's injury, which can be a good thing for him depending on, you know, if he's actually able to separate downfield, right? We haven't really seen it yet, though, Um, so he's still a hold on my bench, but I don't feel comfortable uh, starting him right now. Byron Jones, you know, on that left side, you know, fell off a bit, and, and, and that right side of the defensive perimeter has given up the third most fantasy points to wide receivers, so Chenault does have a good matchup it it just might not play out because of the lack of opportunity if that continues now Dan Arnold his routes went way up to 74% route participation this past week he got 25% of targets as well so he's on the tight end one radar if this continues Uh, and if you need a streamer he has a streamer this week if you need it Um, he has a neutral matchup you know hopefully those targets stay where it was in that one game sample Okay, moving on to the Texans at the Colts. The, the Colts are favored by 10 points in this game, 43 a point over under. Um there's no one no one worth starting in this Texans backfield. Still starting Brandon Cooks as a low end wide receiver, too. Um the target share came down last week, but it came down to 19%, still solid, and we could, you know, we could see m- most uh, you know, more targets start to sway back in his favor this week. Uh, Indy has given up the second most fantasy points to wide receivers this season, so he has a good start. I won't be starting Chris Moore, you know, until there's some sort of trend, but he did get a 20% target share last week. Um, On the Colts side, their defense is a solid play, given the fact that they're at home and favored by 10 points. Um, Michael Pittman, you know, he's breaking out this year. He has a 28.5% target share over the last four games, averaging almost 10 targets per game over the last four as well. Um, Borderline wide receiver, too, right now, 40% of the team's air yards, too. So, you know, Houston has been solid against wide receivers this year, but I'd play him as a wide receiver three who should get his targets. And if this was a good offense, honestly, like, he would be a wide receiver two with that type of target share. Now, Jonathan Taylor had a big game last week, but his usage didn't really go up. He was averaging 14.5 carries and three targets coming into Monday night, and he had 15 carries and four targets on Monday night, so same shit, right, it just, he ended up producing with it, Um, he, he's a sell high for me right now, if I can get an RB1 in return, he's an RB2 right now, okay, moving on to the Packers at the Bears, Uh, Packers are favored by four and a half points, this is a 45 over under, according to Vegas, Aaron Rodgers is in as a low on QB1 this week, good matchup, but the Packers can potentially be run heavy in this game, now AJ Dillon's role, you know, he he... He showed up on the stat sheet last week, but his role didn't really change. Um, he actually had less of the rushing share last week than he did the week before. Um, Aaron Jones actually went up over the last week, and you know, AJ Dillon's routes stayed the same as well. Um, but his targets did jump slightly up, you know, but nothing crazy. He was just targeted more on the routes that he was already running, right? Um, so one thing that did change a bit though was that he was on the field for some goal line snaps. So the fact that Aaron Jones you know, isn't getting 100% of those snaps kind of sucks for Aaron Jones. And the hope is that they at least split that role because Jones is a beast near the goal line. Um, Dylan did look good, and he's a must roster on your bench right now. Um, He's like a desperate play to hope for a touchdown, you know, added to a few efficient carries and receptions. But for the most part, he's not a start yet. Um, And Aaron Jones is, is still a high in RB1 right now. Devonta Adams, obviously in. Great matchup against the Bears secondary. Devonta Adams almost has a 40% target share for the year. Ridiculous. Um, I'm dropping Robert Tanyan. He He's not getting it done. He's not getting the targets. He's not in my lineup. The Bears offense, and not even on my team, honestly. Um, now, on the other side of the ball, the Bears offense, you know, they just suck right now. The offense has to improve, you know, if you want to get anything out of Allen Robinson or Darnell Mooney. I'd be looking for other options this week, but they are flex plays for me right now. It's a decent matchup against the Packers with uh, Jarius Alexander missing. Now, I spoke about Cole Komet last week. It's funny, his routes went down each of the last two weeks, but his target share went up each of the last two weeks. So I don't I don't really know what to make of that, except, like, he's going to be off my fantasy radar until his routes go back up. Now, as far as his backfield goes, Damian Williams might be on the field more this week with the Packers likely leading in this game. E- you know, even if the game remains close, I can see Williams leading the backfield. You know, however, you know, Khalil Herbert did look good last week as a rusher, so it is possible that this continues to be a 50-50 split like it was last week. I'd say Williams... Uh, Damian Williams is a low-end RB2, especially in PPR. And then Herbert is a touchdown-dependent flex play. All right, moving on to the Chiefs at the Washington football team. Chiefs are favored by 6.5 points, 55.5 over-under. Um, High-scoring game. Patrick Mahomes, obviously, in a lot of upside here. Uh, Daryl Williams is going to be their 1A with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire out. I think Williams is a better start than Edwards-Hilaire was you know before the injury because he kind of already had a role they're likely just to add some more snaps and more opportunity to his already existing role especially in the passing game uh and he's also the clear goal line back right now as well so i'd say daryl is a solid rb2 this week tyreek hill is in he's a little banged up with a knee injury but they don't expect him to miss this game washington has allowed the fourth most fantasy points to wide receivers this season from all over the field you know it doesn't matter where these guys are lining up Travis Kelsey obviously in as well as the overall tight end one play this week on the Washington side, Taylor Heineke is a pretty good stream this week. Chiefs go up. He tries to come back. Chiefs defense. Isn't good. Easy stream for me. And you know, he's been getting it done for the most part. I think he's only had one bad fantasy week since he took over great matchup for Terry McLaurin. You know, he's averaging a 30% target share for the season. The chiefs are giving up the ninth most fantasy points to perimeter wide receivers. Um, and we know that there's going to be a ton of attempts, pass attempts, in this game. So he's a wide receiver one play for me this week. Ricky Seals-Jones, also a pretty good play for a lot of the same reasons, but he ran around on almost 90% of dropbacks last week in Logan Thomas's place. received a 24% target share, um, along with several end zone targets. So, you know, this is an elite tight end one usage in that particular one-game sample size, right? So, you know, obviously we can't, you know look at that sample size and say, like, that's what's going to happen. But he is a solid tight end one play this week and has an upside because of all the reasons that I just mentioned. The matchup is good, too. The Chiefs are allowing the fifth most fantasy points to the tight end position. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that they're allowing the most receiving yards to tight ends this year. And by the way, if you're wondering, Curtis Samuel is hardly playing right now. I can understand if you want to drop him to replace him with someone, you know, that you can actually use or a better bench stash. Um, But looks like he's still not 100%. As far as Antonio Gibson, good matchup for him this week if Washington can keep it relatively close. I'm personally trying to sell him if I can after last week's two-touchdown game uh, to see if I can package him you know, and another player for a high-end or solid RB1. I'm always looking to upgrade, and that shin injury just doesn't sit right with me either, that hairline flap fracture. Um, He's a solid RB2 play this week because of the matchup. you know, hoping he can get closer to the workload he got last week, you know, against a good defense, right? Uh, you know, against this bad defense this week. I'm hoping that in the volume we're not seeing against ba- bad defenses, but we're seeing it against good defense. So um, the Chiefs are lying 4.7 yards per carry, so uh, Gibson has a chance to be efficient on his work. Okay, moving on to the Vikings at, at the Panthers. Uh, it's going to be a close game. According to Vegas, um, Vikings are Panthers only favored by one point, 46 point over under. Now, the Panthers' defense has been solid this year. Kirk Cousins had two subpar statistical games compared to the first three games of the season over the past two weeks. Um, but you can, you know, stream stream him this week if you really need someone, you know, only because he has the weapons, right? He has his running backs in the passing game. He has Jefferson. He has Thielen. Um, you know, so making a bet on a streamer, Kirk, you know, is going to be an option even if the matchup isn't amazing. Uh, but keep in mind that the Panthers have allowed the least amount of fantasy, uh, I'm sorry, least amount of passing yards, over the first five games. So if you have a better option, great. And I just mentioned Taylor Heineke as one of the better streams of the week for me. Uh, Justin Jefferson's matchup, you know, as a result, isn't amazing. The Panthers have been like locked down on that left side and the slot, and that's where Jefferson runs about 65% of his routes from. You know, that's Dante Jackson, that's A.J. Bouye. Um, On the right side of the offense, though, it's been better on the perimeter in terms of favorable for the wide receivers. And that's where Adam Thielen runs most of his routes from. Um, I would say, like, Jefferson is a low-end wide receiver one for me this week. It's a little bit of a downgrade because of the matchup. And then Thielen uh, is a wide receiver two. And then maybe you want to downgrade him to, like, a low-end wide receiver two for the matchup. Um, the Panthers have been great against running backs this year, you know, except against the Cowboys. And, and these two running backs, whether it's Dalvin Cook or Alexander Madison this week, they're both high in RB1 plays regardless of the matchup. It's, it's good that Cook took a week off. He's already practicing this week, so he should be good to go. I, I'd still hold on to Madison because we know what he can do when Cook misses time. He's, a, he's one of the top handcuffs in the league. Now on the Panthers side of the ball, DJ Moore is a wide receiver one. He had a down week last week. Um, he can rebound this week. Minnesota secondary has stepped up big time over the last couple weeks after starting very slow and giving up a ton of production. Um, DJ Moore has a 28% target share coming into this week, so keep him in your lineup regardless of the matchup as a borderline wide receiver one play. Now Robbie Anderson's targets have gone up over the last two weeks, 29% in week four, 22% in week five. It's not turning into much production though because he's being targeted downfield a ton. And, you know, if they're not connecting on those downfield targets, it's tough, right? So he's a boom bucks, boom bucks, boom bust flex option right now. Um,. Matt Rule said there's a 50-50 chance that Christian McCaffrey plays this week. Um, So if he plays, he's in your lineup, obviously. Um, If he doesn't go, it'll be Chuba again. Uh, Chuba did his thing last week in a good matchup. He got almost all the rushing work. His snaps went up. His routes went up as well as a result of being on the field more because it was a closer game. He was targeted at an 18% clip, so that's good. So he'll be a solid RB2 if McCaffrey misses again. So I wouldn't drop Chuba just like I wouldn't drop... um, I wouldn't drop Madison. Madison, obviously, you know, the better handcuff here. But I wouldn't drop Chuba if McCaffrey goes because reaggravation of a soft tissue injury is always possible. Um, you know, Minnesota has given up the six most rushing yards this year. So this is a good matchup in what should be a close game. Okay, the the Chargers at the Ravens, uh, Justin Herbert, oh, the, the the Ravens here are favored by three and a half points at home, um, and this is a 50 and a half over under, I can totally see this game going over that. Um, Justin Herbert is playing out of his mind right now, killing it for fantasy, he's a solid QB1 this week, um, Carson Wentz threw for 400 yards against the Ravens in Baltimore on Monday night, so I'm not worried about Herbert at all. Uh, Mike Williams is in as a wide receiver one. Keenan Allen is in as a wide receiver two. Now, the two particular spots that these two guys run most of their routes from are the two spots that the Ravens are the most vulnerable. The Ravens have given up the most fantasy points to left wide receivers, left perimeter wide receivers over the last four weeks, which is where Mike Williams runs most of his routes from. And they've given up the most fantasy points to slot wide receivers, and that's where Keenan Allen runs most of his routes from. So, yeah, these guys are in your lineup. Austin Eckler, high-end RB1, he's in your lineup, say less. Jared Cook, not a solid streaming option. Donald Parham, you know, isn't running nearly enough routes for him to be considered either. On the other side of the ball, Lamar Jackson's that dude, high-end QB1. Um, Passing the ball a ton more. This could be a pretty high-scoring game, I just have a feeling. Um, Marquise Brown, he's a wide receiver one right now. You got to keep him in your lineup. I keep saying this, but if he caught a couple touchdowns, a couple of those drop touchdowns in week three, he'd be the overall wide receiver one right now. He's a wide receiver 5 on the season as of right now, so you can't sit him. It's a neutral mass, it's a neutral matchup for where he lines up. Now, it's possible we see Rashad Bateman's debut this week. I'm looking forward to it. He's still only 24% rostered on, in Yahoo League, so I'd grab him and stash him if I can, um, if you want to add some upside to your bench. Now, the Ravens are more pass-heavy now, right? So like it seems like it's going to continue. So they can support multiple fantasy wide receivers, and, and Bateman is a baller so keep that in mind now latavius murray led the backfield in snaps this past week but only got six carries so i'm just avoiding this backfield right now which is crazy to say you know given the fact that you know this is a ravens back, backfield but it's a three-headed situation i'm avoiding it and you know the ravens are just becoming more pass heavy at this point it was just a matter of time uh before the mark andrews andrews blow up game and i've been kind of talking about this for a bit. His usage was the best it's been his whole career. So it was just a matter of time, and it happened. So keep starting him as a high-end tight end one. All right, so that does it for part one of the matchup preview. I'm going to have part two out on Friday morning. Um, so I hope you guys have a great uh, rest of your week. Enjoy the game tonight, and I'll talk to you guys soon. Take it easy. See ya.